Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people with news, views and expert interviews. Hello, I'm Steve Randall and welcome to Constructive Voices. This is a special programme paying tribute to Henry MacDonald. Henry was an amazing journalist who had an incredible career covering all kinds of things, not least the troubles in Northern Ireland. When he retired from The Guardian after more than two decades with that highly acclaimed publication, he joined us at Constructive Voices and we were able to benefit from his journalistic integrity, his tenacity at getting a great story and also the very human side of Henry as well. Peter Finn, Pete the Builder is with me, but also... Jackie DeBurka, who's the producer of Constructive Voices. And Jackie, you were the person who brought Henry into Constructive Voices. You were, of the three of us, the person who knew him best. How did you get him involved in Constructive Voices? How did you meet? So Henry and I had this um, Twitter story, if you like. We met on Twitter, (laughs) as you do. And Henry was actually something between a muse and a mentor to me because we chatted about some creative ideas uh, that I had on Twitter and one thing led to another. And actually, I interviewed Henry about his own writing and how the north of Ireland in particular had influenced that, plus some of the places that he spent time in, the likes of Berlin and Brighton and Hove. So we actually explored those type of things together. And as soon as Henry let me know in late 2020 that he was actually taking early retirement from the Guardian newspaper, I asked him, would he become involved in Constructive Voices? And there could never have been a better move apart from obviously meeting Pete as well. Yeah, um, look, such a such a sad occasion to to be here lamenting um, such a such a... A fantastic man is the only way to describe it. Um, when when Jackie told me that uh, she had Henry on board and, and that Henry would be would be coming in as our lead investigative journalist, I, I was very excited by it. But then when I actually heard the work that he'd done, I got a sense of the reality of who we were actually dealing with here and the level of journalism that we were dealing with. There's just no doubt about it. Henry is going to leave behind him a legacy of genuine journalism that there was no boundary there was, there was no obstacle that he wouldn't get over to to make sure that a story um was delved into and when he came to us then you know he he adapted to to our industry very quickly and he he certainly wanted to go for stories that were you know not controversial and and you know he wasn't seeking headlines but what he was doing was he he wanted to make sure that our listeners were were getting absolutely the highest quality uh, interviews and the highest quality information on some brilliant topics. So, look, I, I really just want to wish um, Henry's family and 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 his followers and and people who have enjoyed his his journalism and and his work over the years, um, the, you know, massive condolences. So, um, I, I can totally resonate with, with what Jackie's saying because I've had many conversations with Jackie about. Henry and she was very, very fond of them and they, they had absolutely created a, a very unique bond. So um, it's tough times. It is tough times, Pete. Thanks for that. I think what's very interesting um, reading the likes of the reports across The Guardian, obviously the BBC, um, the Belfast newspapers, is Henry's oeuvre, and I know he, he would appreciate me saying this, um, was more vast than what he specialised in. Of course, he was best known for his reporting on Northern Ireland, 
and also as an author, of course, for his books. But it's the work that he did with ourselves that actually has been a little bit overlooked in some of the media so far. And some of that work, I think, is as important, if not maybe on some levels more important, the likes of when he brought uh, Changing Streams into Constructive Voices, um, obviously exploring the issue of plastic in the industry, and also Inside Connections, which at that stage was, you know, fairly revolutionary service of bringing ex-inmates into the industry through training programs so they could be given another chance. So I think that was something that, one side of Henry that I think a lot of the people who, who knew him personally would recognize was there was a huge amount of kindness uh, that would come across in his investigations also. Well, look, we're going to play some clips of some of the episodes that Henry was involved in, some of the interviews that he did, and with so many great just insightful interviews that he did. It's difficult to pick just a few. But as you've mentioned, Changing Streams, which was certainly the first interview I heard of Henry's for Constructive Voices. Let's hear a bit of that interview with Neil Maxwell, who set up Changing Streams after a life-changing moment on a trip to the Arctic. And also Dr. Wendy Jones, the scientific lead and climate advisor uh, for Changing Streams. But before we do, here's Neil with his tribute to Henry. It's a bit of a hell of a shock to hear about Henry's passing, uh, but he helped us greatly in our earlier days, um, setting up in 2019 as we did. Uh, he, he connected with us, we spoke a few times, he talked about the work that we were doing, and it was quite comforting to know that a journalist from The Guardian shared the, our same vision for a, a greener future, a more sustainable future, and wanted to do what he could to help us, which was amazing. One of our one of the team on the on the Changing Streams crew is a, a chap called Mick Ord. Uh, Mick was with the BBC, was head of the BBC Radio Merseyside for I think around about twenty eight years. And Mick and Henry knew each other very well from their journal uh, journalistic days, um, and they shared the same love and passion of Everton. Um, we've all got a cross to bear, but there you go. Um, <laughs> so so uh, they share the love of, of Everton Football Club. And I, I believe that Henry came up quite often to, to watch the game. And Mick and uh, Henry used to go out to, to enjoy the match together and a few beers after, no doubt. Um, so it was Mick that introduced us to Henry because um, we were keen on establishing ourselves and um, making the market aware of what we're trying to do. And, you know, Henry, it was amazing that Henry was actually really interested in, in that and wanted to find out more. He certainly did. And obviously then in the relatively early days of Constructive Voices, he introduced uh, yourself and Wendy Jones to ourselves. And we did one podcast episode. And that was great to, to be able to sort of vocalise it. Um, the, the the article in The Guardian, you know, obviously we... we, we Henry was working with us on that, and uh, we had a few emails back and forward in regard to what the concept would look like. They were very focused on facts, which uh, which is important rather than just hearsay or opinion. Um, so we tried to give them as much as we could, given the fact that we were still early in our setup. Um, so that was 2019, and in February 2020, Henry actually came up and we met him 
met Dr. Gareth Abrams, my co, one of my co-founders and directors at Changing Streams, who's a senior lecturer. Uh, he's an architect uh, in planning and geography in the University of Liverpool. And so the three of us had a conversation on campus and talked all about our work. Uh, and that was that was how the, the article was uh, developed. And then, of course, as you say, he, uh, we then, he, you know, we, we got to know yourself. Um, we we found out that you were doing a podcast that was interesting to us as well. So the article went live Then we did a, a great podcast with you. Um, and thank you for helping us to to highlight that and shine the light on, on the important work that we're doing. When I met Henry, I found somebody that was truly authentic and truly kind and really interested and genuine. He stood head and shoulders up in the journalistic world uh, above, as far as I'm concerned, most of them, because he was honest, he was authentic. He was he was really keen to get to the bottom of the story. He was really keen to understand the important factors, how he could help, what he how how he could write things to make a difference, how he could articulate that in words that would make an impact for us, rather than just looking at it to sell a story. He wasn't interested in just selling a story. He was interested in people. He was interested in what we were doing, how we were doing it, and he was interested in the planet. And that made a huge difference. Very, very interesting you say that about eco-anxiety. I don't know if you are, but I'm a regular listener to The Archers. And there's a young right. character on at the moment uh, who is very eco-anxious. She's she fangs on about it morning and at night on yeah. the show when she's on so it might be worth listening into is it yeah it can be really overwhelming i mean we i get overwhelmed sometimes you know i have good days and bad days i mean we're all just normal you know it's it's you read some stuff sometimes i don't watch the news so much these days because it just it's mm. just negative um uh, i know i shouldn't say that but i mean it's I do get anxious sometimes by what I read and what I learn. Yeah. By being in this space, there's more people that want to send you information because they think you should know about it. And a lot of times it's negative stuff rather than positive stuff. The processes in of selection of materials in this business, there's no rigor to it. It's just simply personal choice much of the time. So those educational pieces around those processes are really important to understand why we should pick product A over product B. And it might be something as shallow as both products are the same, other than one's got more plastic in the other. Both have the same performance criteria. They're both the same cost. But actually, product A is chosen. It might have more plastic in it, but product A is chosen because the buyer goes out for a pint with the seller. And looking at the building industry, Wendy, and as scientists sort of looking slightly outside into the industry, do you think this business is willing and able to shift away from plastic use? I think there are what you might describe as the early adopters, Henry. I think there are people that that Neil has told you about that we've spoken to. Definitely, there's a move. There are people who are interested but not sure whether they can commit. They're thinking, oh, it's going to cost a lot of money. Going back to what I was saying earlier, I think getting the smaller builders is going to be really hard because I think they're very constrained on on costs and time and all those things. And paying attention to what's involved, I think, is going to take some time. Henry was the sort of journalist that I, as a media person, worry we won't have enough of going forward. 
because I think we need those journalists who aren't afraid to ask questions. You know, they're not trying to be celebrities. They are asking the questions that need to be asked. They're addressing the issues that need to be addressed and having that real tenacity to actually say, right, I'm going to get the best out of this story. I'm going to find out the answers to the questions that I'm asking and not being put off by that, you know, being tough enough where it's needed to be able to get those answers, uh, but also having the empathy to be able to encourage people to speak. And I think that was, you know, just some of, of what made Henry a great journalist. Absolutely. I think the I think the word empathy was really what was coming on my mind as you were speaking, Steve, that Henry had that unique ability of an old school journalist on one hand, but a very empathetic human being on the other. So he always had that natural ability to pitch, pitch himself, pitch his tone of voice, everything. His questions absolutely were perfectly pitched for whoever it happened to be that he was interviewing. I totally agree, Jackie. Um, you know, he 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 wasn't the guy who was just seeking out, you know, the 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 the, the bad side of any story. The interview that he did with uh, Sir Michael Parkinson in in terms of the the football stadiums in in Liverpool for Everton Football Club, that discussion that he had just went in so many different directions, and you know, so informative, but also so positive. You know, I I totally agree with what you both said there, guys. Um, having having a man like that delve into a story you got the full perspective from from all angles both positive and negative and what i always loved as well is he he, he wanted to have a sort of an end line and and, and a, a direction that the story was going in as well so you always walked away or from listening to one of his interviews with with uh with sort of a, a good perspective as where things were going and and the future of of what was going to come out of the, the story that he's he's just told Absolutely, Peter. And one of the things about that that particular interview that you focused on is, of course, that took on board, you know, two of Henry's main passions in life, which were, of course, the work that he did. He was one of those people who lived his life through the work that he was meant to do and football, <laughs> which, of course, you know, is what like the, the other equal pa- passion or almost equal passion for Henry. Well, once again, Jackie, as you've mentioned it, we'll hear a bit of the interview that Henry did with Sir Michael Parkinson. But first, here's Michael paying his tribute to Henry. Well, um, first of all, how sad that he's passed too soon. But I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed working with Henry. He asked me to do a podcast about Liverpool, the new Everton football stadium. And I was really touched by his passion by his curiosity, by his excitement, and by his professionalism. I listened back to the podcast only this morning before this interview, and I thought, this is really very very good. And I realised it was one of my better performances, but it was more to do with Henry than with me, because he only asked four questions, and I just provided all the answers he was looking for, But that was because it was all the preparation we'd done together where his talking me through what he thought about the issues, what he thought about Liverpool. I hadn't realised he's a great Everton supporter. I'm a great Liverpool supporter. So we had that kind of friendly rivalry in uh, in common. But I realised that in the planning of the session, he was making me think, quite hard about what I should say, 
trying to get an awful lot into, you know, 30 minutes. And as I left it then, and as I listened again now, I thought, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy meeting him. Um, I was impressed by his command of the subject. And I was impressed by the warmth which he generated, which allowed me perhaps to be, you know, my best self. And so I've done a lot of media work of various kinds, national and international, radio and TV, et cetera. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes the interviewer really doesn't get the tone right or the questions right. But on this occasion, I thought he was absolutely terrific. Um, and so great person, great fun, um, serious, but willing to enjoy the crack about Liverpool and football. So really, really fine person. Obviously, I've read about his career, which is hugely significant. I can see all of that. But just as an experience with someone talking about something which matters greatly to me, it was really first class and warm, professional, imaginative, curious, and a terrible loss, a terrible loss. Now, you mentioned Goodison Park, the old heart of the club in Liverpool 4. Other clubs that have moved into new building projects, you know, whether it's West Ham down in down in the, the old Olympic Stadium or, or Arsenal moving from the traditional home of Highbury, North London, not but not too too far away. How can you fill the economic void that, and the social void too that will, 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 when the club no longer exists? Because there's a lot of businesses around the stadium that that, that subsist or, or feed off the the crowds that come to, on alternating Saturdays. How is that going to be addressed? Okay, Evan Football Club, and again, I have to pay um, tribute to this, are absolutely clear they're not walking away from Goodison. They're making Goodison a legacy project. And they're saying, we're not selling off the highest bidder. We're not selling off a private um, housing or a supermarket. They're going to work with local partners to create, in effect, a whole community facility. They want to deliver what they call a re unique regeneration project. They've got outlined planning permission for new housing, health facilities, education facilities, sheltered housing for local people, elderly people, abuse zone, and business startup facilities. That's what they intend to do. Health, community, young people, elderly people. Will they do it? Everton in the community have spent £10 million in recent years investing in three big facilities. They have the free school, they have the People's Hub, which is community centre, they have the Blue Base, which is function space, and they're about to build a mental health support thing called the People's Place. They have made a huge commitment to this area anyway, on a you know, huge investment, on a voluntary basis, the club being very good about it, and they've raise the bar for everyone else. I suspect it's the best in the country. I mean, I, would, I, would, I think it probably is. And so they're saying, we're not throwing that away. The way we ran Evan, the community, and our commitment to the place will be preserved. And they have very ambitious, innovative, exciting plans to do all of that. Again, money has to be found. But I think if you're asking me, are they serious? Are they committed? Absolutely. They understand the risk, the reputational damage of the club 
walking away and saying, that's history, forgot all that. We have a shiny new stadium on the waterfront. They're determined to avoid that. Now, whether it's uh, Bramley Murdoch or what's going to happen to Goodison afterwards, talking construction, presumably some of the big players on Merseyside and in the building industry will be involved in this, will be co-partners in what Everton are doing. Oh, yes. I mean, I can't name names, but um, it's they've worked with local developers already. They've worked with international developers. They'll be working, I guess, with some of the best people. There'll be a knock-on impact for local firms, small and large. There'll be global companies being involved. I mean, as we've agreed, it's a half-billion-pound project. It's going to involve an awful lot of developers and construction people. I guess the first interview that stood out to me, I suppose, because I brought it together as producer and because I'm a woman, obviously, was episode 13. I mean, he did lots of great work before that, but I particularly liked it was how women can create sustainable change. And we had these two excellent guests, um, Emma Nicholson and Sumele Arafour, both of whom Henry just came off. I remember I spoke to him after he did the interview via Zoom by himself with the two ladies. And he was literally buzzing after it. He just couldn't believe the kind of guests we were delivering. (laughs) And I was so chuffed because, of course, I thought, well, my God, like I was almost in awe of Henry with his amazing background. But he was so thrilled with some of the guests that we were producing for him. And that was probably one of those, you know, one of those moments where I thought, you know, we're definitely getting it right in constructive voices when we get Henry's seal of approval. Well, both of the guests that you mentioned there, Jackie, have paid tribute on one of our LinkedIn posts. Somali said, this is such sad news. It was a pleasure to meet and chat with Henry, sending my condolences to his family, friends and the Constructive Voices team. May he rest in peace. And Emma said, goodness me, I've just seen this terribly sad news about Henry I send my deepest condolences. He was a brilliant interviewer. My best wishes and thoughts to his family. Let's hear a little bit of Henry's interview with both of them. I find that bucolic memory of the the light in the blocks Mm. very, very fetching. Mm. Um, Your work in architecture and design and so on. How do you think these skills can be harnessed to promote sustainable building projects? For me, the question that I feel like I, I need to ask my colleagues all the time is, can you design buildings that deliver you know, the tectonic ideas of architecture, so materiality and constructability, um, but still think about how you cater to the comfort and the spatial needs of occupants and balance that with how you use Earth's resources. And I think, yes, we can. And we need to with even more intention than ever before because the impact of our, our work is, is more crucial than ever. Let's talk about the IPCC report and the pressures on the industry for change that are bound to emerge in Glasgow this November. What, what do you think are the are going to be the pressures specifically on construction? In the lead up to COP26, there's been a real plethora of webinars mm-hmm. from organisations and institutes such as IEMA on sure, environmental sure. matters. And it's going to increase. We're going to see more and mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need more sustainability ambassadors. We need more chartered environmentalists. And I do believe that environmental management and sustainability is such an interesting career. Henry, to me, seemed like, um, you know, and again, it's that old school journalist thing of being unflappable. You know, he was calm in in any situation and was able to 
you know, handle any twists and turns that an interview may take. And actually that, for me, was shown in a live situation when we did our first live online event. And it, Henry had the the really important role. We b- brought a panel of people together, but Henry's really important role was to interview Victoria Kate Burrows of the World Green Building Council, uh, Director of Advancing Net Zero. And, you know, that was kind of a 20-minute piece um, with an audience there. We were live, we were watching it, and Henry was doing the interview, and it was just perfect. Now, you, you do mention governments and the importance of governments, you know, in doing the right thing in term, terms of policy, but global business has to play a part. Uh, you know, you've been in this sector for, what, nearly a decade. Do you honestly believe that the building construction sector, that hard-headed business, take these concerns seriously? I do. I do. Um, and I've been really fortunate on a personal level throughout my career to work with some really real front runners in this space and see what's possible. And for me, it's a, it's a kind of a personal agenda to kind of take that and have it applied to, to every project. Because once you've proven it can be done, as I say, it really needs to shift then to proving why you're not doing it or like explaining or justifying why you're not doing it. You know, it's a, it's a real mind shift change or, or a kind of mindset change um, rather than a technical, technological or even financial barrier these days. Some net zero buildings are achieved at, at net zero cost. It's just about asking the right questions. And so I've seen the potential from working on building sites myself, uh, from working with design teams that are just asking the right questions and uncovering the, the sorts of solutions that can make buildings create more of a positive impact than what they currently do in terms of being, you know, so intensive on on resources and consumption. It was my first time to to see Henry do do something live like that and to listen in as he was as he was talking and again his ability to read the read the narrative and read the the, the direction that that the interview was going in and knowing what questions to ask and to get the timing of of the questions in. He also was very good at allowing the person to speak, you know, he 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 didn't cut across someone when when they were kind of getting to a good point and he was never afraid to ask a question, you know, a second time and maybe rephrase it or or, or reframe it to, 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 to make sure that there was no avoidance within within the interview um, to, to, to get to the, to, to the point, you know. So brilliant to have been uh, in a position to have, have worked with somebody with such a high level of um, previous work and, and another, another Honestly, from my perspective, to see a man to, to be able to work up to right up on, 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 until literally a couple of weeks ago, continuing to work at such a high level as well is something that I'll, I'll certainly be taking with me, you know. There have been so many amazing episodes that Henry was part of. One person who was involved in a lot of this journey in the background was Sangeeta Waldron. Now, we should say at this point that the Constructive Voices team work remotely. Jackie is generally in Spain. Pete is generally in the Republic of Ireland, and I am in the UK. So we don't meet that often. But Sangeeta was lucky enough to meet Henry in 2022 in his native city of Belfast. And she's been speaking to Jackie about her memories of that meeting and of Henry. I'm Sangeeta Waldron, and I'm the founder of Serendipity PR and Media. And I'm a publicist, PR professional. And I had the pleasure of working with Constructive Voices, I thought I recognised that name. And I went and looked at my Twitter. And sure enough, Henry had been following me for some time. And I was so privileged that such a well-regarded, highly regarded journalist like Henry was following me. I immediately followed back. 
And um, when I was part of the Constructive Voices team, I DM'd Henry and said, oh, my God, we already know each other in, in this virtual world. And he just came back very sweetly and said, yes, I know. What a small world. I went on to do other things and I was involved in other projects. And I was involved in a, a project that took me to Belfast last year in September. And um, I knew this would be a story that would be of interest to Henry. I went to Belfast and I met Henry there. And it was just really lovely because although I felt, and I think Henry also felt this, he was a great people's person. And we both felt we knew each other already, although it was our first meeting. And we had a good old chin wag. And um, Henry said to me, look, I would love to stay, but I've got to get back to write this story. So it was a short encounter, a brief encounter, but one that stayed with me. And I know Henry had a great love of football. He was an Everton fan. And um, we would joke because my husband is Liverpool. And so we <laughs> had this little bit of rivalry going on. And I felt a little bit torn because I was kind of in the middle um, but I would often just look at Henry's tweets because that's what that was his passion. And um, Henry was just such a wonderful, kind being. You know, he's he's done the most amazing things in his life, reported on some of the biggest stories, worked for some of the best known media titles. But he was just a great human being. And he put people at their ease. Well, he certainly put me at my ease when we first met because it was like meeting an old, old friend, you know, not just somebody I knew on Twitter. I was very lucky to have met him. You know, when I heard the news about Henry, I just thought, what a great loss, great loss for us all. You know, my thoughts are also with his family and, you know, everything they must be feeling right now he he has left a void absolutely he's left a void that's Sangeeta Waldron speaking to Jackie DeBurka about Henry MacDonald we've been paying tribute to him in this episode and really only scratching the surface of all the amazing work that he did for Constructive Voices and of course there's many many more uh, bits of journalistic brilliance that you can find online uh, in newspapers and I mean he's just left a legacy of superb journalism, as we've been saying throughout this special episode. Before we finish, I think, Jackie, you should have the final word about Henry. I was thinking about, you know, the shock of, of obviously, hearing about Henry's passing on, on Sunday the 19th of February, um, the initial shock, and I kept then going over in my mind, you know, what are the things that he leaves behind? And it's like this amazing um, stable of work, you know, throughout different genres of creativity, but also, yes, that passion, um, it's a word that I don't normally like to use, but in Henry's case, I will use it. You know, it was an integral curiosity and in, innate um, enthusiasm for the work he was doing. And for everybody, I can say personally, for everybody that he interacted with, that I've seen tributes online, on Twitter and in various places, I believe that he had the exact same effect on other people as he did on me in terms of he wasn't just curious. It wasn't a selfish, like, let me achieve my own you know, goals, curiosity. It was, he was genuinely interested in helping out and mentoring and how could he creatively have an input into your life also? 